All righty, guys. So, welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. Today, what we have for you, we've got a D, formerly Zucker, now a D Kazu. So, uh, we had Mike Kazu on the show from Brute Strength about, uh, I don't know, three months ago, episode 27, if I'm not wrong. Um, so, a D, a D's. Um, Mike's now wife, and Adi was a uh, she's a top three level weightlifter in uh, in Canada in the national championships. She's um, she's podiumed in the national championships before. She's also dealt with um, body weight issues as a kid. She was uh, 200 pounds as a youngster, and now she has a company called Working Against Gravity, which provides services for um, nutrition and for weight loss and uh, and health to people all around the world. She now has 2,200 people. On her books, started from uh, started with five people, and then uh, shortly after she got eighty people, she's grown it to two thousand two hundred people. Mm. And uh, we just had a really good chat about a lot of fitness, nutrition, and it ended up going a lot into the mindset side of things. Wouldn't you agree, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree because that is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're right. So, um, so yeah, you guys are going to like the show. Um, today's show is brought to you by True Pride. True Pride are a wealth creation service who look at working with individual, uh, ambitious individuals who are looking to worry less, take control, and get ahead in life. So they have all different levels of wealth creation services for you guys. Um, head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF and book a call. If you decide to go ahead with the guys at True Pride, they'll waive the $297 joining fee um, if you book through our link. We're also brought to you by Carve. Carve is a company that specializes in anything digital from building apps, designing logo, automating a business down to setting up your next event. Carve's where I get my assistance. Carve's where I get my life back. Carve's where I've been able to upscale the business. Head to www.3w's.carve.ph forward slash ADVF to get 10 hours full free. <laughs> and uh, also, we are brought to you by Adventure Fit Travel. Make sure you go to www.adventurefittravel, guys. See what we have, uh, we have planned, we have coming up. All of our podcasts are on there. All of our epic blogs that we've got from our team of bloggers are on there. All of our trips. We've got um, Mexico with Jared Fleming coming up. We've got Carl Paoli in Bali. Um, we will we'll do Peru and the Inca Trail next year. That'll be released sooner rather than later. CrossFit Games next year. Check it all out. And here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it! Yo! Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Are we alone in the universe? What is the future of the human race? I'm with you if you want to live. I did. Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to Adventure Radio. We are here with uh, Adi, formerly Zukier, now uh, Adi Kaju. Adi has, uh, has joined us on the show to talk all things um, working against gravity, all things, a um, little bit of weightlifting and and uh, whatever we come to. I've got mm. Tommy on my left as usual. Good morning. And uh, before we throw to Adi, we will, as usual, go to Tommy's Tribute. 
Alrighty. Well, uh, I'm not sure if you know Adi, but I sang a tribute of um, She Hates Me by a Puddle of Mud to, uh, to Mike. And I thought I'd do the exact same thing to you, except change up the words. <laughs> okay, perfect. You know that <laughs> I don't know any songs, basically. Put it that way, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, just quickly, it's called I Also Hope You Love Us. There's a girl, she's been with Mike. We had him on the show, got a listener spike. Now I want to say good day to you. Miss D. Sukiera, too. Who started a move working against gravity? In other news, I've got a tooth cavity. He, she's got a six pack, it's the dream. And if you want to get a little more lean, listen to the show. Na, 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 na. Listen to the show Should tell you how to grow When Bill told me you were on the show I fell off my chair And into a daze But now I get to serenade you Hopefully you listen for days And tell me how to get a six pack Yeah <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> you take it so seriously. I know. I get so into it. So <laughs> Sorry, Adi. Hey, oh. welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Beautiful. Cool. Hey, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Adi? Your um, bit of your uh, upbringing, your background, who you are. I am, uh, my name's Adi. Recently, I got married this past August. So my last name changed from Zucker to Cashew. Um, I married Michael Cashew, who was on the podcast before. Buzz. And I'm originally from Canada, from Toronto. So like mid-eastern Canada. And uh, I have moved to the United States. And I live now in just south of Austin, Texas. Uh, nice. My background, I played probably every single sport you can think of. Most recently, I was a competitive Olympic weightlifter, and um, I started a company called Working Against Gravity, and that's what brings me here today. Beautiful. So before we go any further, um, you and Mike eloped, and I knew that had, that had something to do with getting married, but I wasn't sure what it was. What's the difference between eloping and getting married? Um. I mean, I would have to look up the actual definitions, but from my understanding, we just like went to the courthouse and got married. Like we didn't have a wedding reception. Oh, yes. We didn't have, like we just like decided Monday that we were going to get married on Thursday. So we got yeah. our, wow. yeah, we got our marriage license and then just went for it. Why do I just get the, I get this mental image of when someone elopes, what, like, I'm thinking that someone's like, Galloping along in a paddock. <laughs> do you get the inside? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, so I think Michael animals and I went elope and ran along. In a paddock. <laughs> oh, congratulations. So, 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 Adi, um, why did you decide to do that rather than the the textbook um, kind of big fancy wedding? Or is that in the future? Or yeah, what was the what was the reasoning? I mean, we're no, we're not really the big fancy wedding type. Um, with the reasoning behind eloping, we wanted to get married, um, on our own terms. Uh, and as well, um, I wanted to remain in the United States. So it's a lot easier if we're married. 
Um, that is a factor for sure. And, um, we just, we just didn't want all of the, um, fuss that comes with the wedding. We will have, um, a ceremony for our family. It's just going to be like our closest friends and family in Michael's grandmother's backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, that's really just for our family and for the experience of, you know, the white dress and, um, a party, but nothing, we're not really fancy kind of people. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I think there's um, there's probably more of that going on these days. I think me and Tommy mm-hmm. had a discussion the uh, the other day about um, the way that societies, you know, um, there's a lot more options now, and there's a lot more flexibility with uh, with things. I think so. You guys, it's a practical terms. I'm sure you guys love each other, and then you're just going to get the family together for a gathering, and then um, mm. no bells and whistles. Is there going to be a honeymoon? That's the big question. Um. So we, this is a good question. So we feel like our life is kind of like a honeymoon considering we both work very remote. Um, we don't have to be, we, we own our own companies so we can really go on vacation whenever we want. Um, so instead of doing like your typical honeymoon, we're probably going to do some type of active service Mm -hmm. for, uh, maybe 10 to 14 days somewhere within the United States. Uh, we were considering going abroad, but um, I think that there's probably a lot of people that could need uh, use our help right here in our own country. So uh, we're probably going to do that instead. Right. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what specifically? What sort of service have you been uh, thinking about? Um, well, Michael comes from a substance abuse background um, after recovering from opiate addiction. So we were considering something along the lines of working with addicts and um, bringing fitness and nutrition into that. Mm. Um, but I, we have not really finalized that yet. Mm, that's awesome. That'd be cool. I've got a, I've got a, uh, an end goal once um, I have time and money on my side of the adventure fit mm. to work with uh, underprivileged kids and teach them about health and fitness. Mm. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, Adi. I think um, that'd be a great way to give back. And, you, you know, you always feel better about yourself or like oh, yeah. there's nothing more rewarding than helping someone else mm. rather than getting anything out of, yourself, out of yourself. You know, you can go and sit on a beach somewhere for seven or 10 days or you can go and help some people out and mm. you probably feel a lot better and be, um, it's, it's, it's really cool. So um, good stuff. So what about, um, let's go into, um, you said that recently you, you were a weightlifter. Um, you you don't compete in weightlifting anymore. You you've gone back into you've gone into business mode. Uh, is that is that correct? Um. Yeah. I've kind of became an entrepreneur by accident, and uh, that was while I was uh, trying to be the best weightlifter I could be, trying to qualify for international teams. Mm-hmm. And um, as my business started to take off, and it's bigger than I've ever imagined it could possibly be. Uh, I've realized my priorities have shifted and, um, I won a medal at senior nationals this past year. And then Mm. once that happened, it kind of like gave me a little bit of permission to not continue competing. Um, and I also, am in. there's not, um, where I currently live, there's no, um, there's no community for me to be training with. And it's really hard in weightlifting specifically to train, you know, five times a week, three hour sessions, like you're training 20 hours a week and doing that alone without like real motivation is, um, is just not in the cards for me anymore. And I'm c- kind of okay with that. hundred percent. I'm actually, uh, in a similar mind mindset. I, I competed in the weightlifting, uh, the Australian nationals for the first time 
I've only been weightlifting for a few years, but I competed in the Nationals, didn't do well, whatever. But the last few weeks, I've had a deload mm. and I've been really busy and I'm kind of like, oh, I love weightlifting. It is my happy place, but I could probably live my life without it pretty happily. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes things get it, get in the way, I suppose, and take over. But um, with um, with what got you into weightlifting firstly? I was going to ask what what um, how the, the working against gravity started, but what got you into weightlifting because it's not, uh, was it through CrossFit or were you were you a weightlifter through your younger years or how did it all start? Um, so when how did I start weightlifting? So I was doing CrossFit in I believe did it in like 2009. Um, it was right after Miko Salo won the games, so I think uh, that was in 2009. And I started doing CrossFit at my university gym, just like in the reg- in the gym, people thought I was crazy. And uh, I hurt my back and I had to take a full year off of training altogether. So I just swam and I devoted to my studies and um, I didn't really do much training. And then when I wanted to come back, I decided that I was going to do things um, with really good technique and I w- really wanted to build a base of strength. And in my mind at the time, um, it made the most sense to master Olympic weightlifting, which was the most technical, mm. uh, and then um, incorporate metabolic conditioning afterwards. Yep. Uh, and then I just never incorporated the metabolic <laughs> conditioning. That's and- a great system. I like it. <laughs> that's uh, that's where you're that's where you're at in your training, kind of Tommy, isn't I it? You're, am, yeah. you're, you're you're all metabolic, not all metabolic conditioning, but you're kind of mostly. You're starting your first day at a weightlifting club today, yeah. and then uh, hopefully no cardio. Probably See won't. you later. Yeah. Um, adios. See you later, Kenny. Pull up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm uh, I'm definitely more pumped to get into the uh, weightlifting side of things now for sure. Yeah, and I probably just want to keep eating food. <laughs> So, so, so when you were a weightlifter, AD, and then you, you spoke about, um, you, you, your business started through a need yourself to, so as a weightlifter, obviously you were, you were obviously, was it, is it true to say you're in a weight class and you were trying to obviously cut down to the next weight class always? And was that where you refined your techniques of, of, um, nutrition and then Mm. like, how did that all start? Well, the actual way that it all started was I was um, almost like I was pushing 200 pounds at 16 years old right. and wow. my mother took me to a nutritionist at the time and she did something similar to what I do, but she just tracked carbs, proteins, fats, and fruit. She classified fruit differently. I was kind of like a Weight Watcher style where you would have a certain amount of points for each of the categories and she had lists of food items that would classify as a point or half a point. And I lost, um, just over 50 pounds doing that. And, um, from 16 to, um, 22, I had maintained, um, that weight loss and continued to, uh, delve into nutrition and trying different things, trying paleo, trying keto, trying, um, it was always a fascination to me. And then when I started weightlifting, um, I was always a 63 kilo lifter and in 2014, my coach at the time, I'm like five, six and a half. Mm -hmm. So he told me I was much more suited for the 69 kilo class and told me he wouldn't coach me unless I became 69. That's tough. That's tough. It's tough for a girl to hear, you know, my, um, My, I would, I would think the girls would always be trying to push for that lower weight Mm. category. Guys Mm. want to be big and bulky, you know, girls don't particularly want to be, that must've been hard to hear. Mm. 
Yeah, he was he was um, a unique style. He was the uh, national Hungarian weightlifting coach, so he was um, a thick accent, mm. never smiled. Like he was just very intimidating coach. But uh, he's a he's a fantastic coach. He's amazing at what he does. And I and yeah, it was definitely. I mean, I wasn't totally opposed to it. So I mean, I did it for a full year. So I yep. went up to sixty nine kilos for mm-hmm. a full year. Um, I didn't do it in the most strategic fashion and I just ended up being self-conscious about my body. I've never really dreamed of making the Olympics or breaking, uh, national world, national records or anything like that. So I just didn't really see the point if I wasn't feeling confident in my own skin and I wasn't getting that much stronger. So, uh, I went and trained with Travis Mash, a coach in North Carolina from Mash Elite Performance and I took it as an opportunity to cut back down while my my coach from Toronto wasn't with me. So that's when I started doing uh, macros the way that I do them now. So I was tracking my macros, cutting back to 63. I actually got significantly stronger at the time, and I blogged about it. And that's how Working Against Gravity started. Right. That's cool. Like Inter- that. Interesting. So taking it back to, um, to when you were 16, um, what do you think it was – if you don't mind me asking, that got you to you were you were such a such a heavy kid two hundred uh, two hundred pounds for a pretty it's about young nineties, uh, yeah, for, yeah, for that's, that's, yeah, you know that's pretty that's pretty solid. What mm. was the looking back on it now with all the experience you have and all the knowledge that you have? What was the catalyst to or what let you get to that uh, that mm. size? I think um, that as I've, I've I have spent the last I mean year and a half since, especially since I've met Michael, really delving into, uh, like self-awareness and, and into those kinds of things, like in my earlier life. And I was very shame. Like I had a lot of shame. I was carrying a lot of shame, uh, around not necessarily my eating habits or my body, but I wasn't very good at making friends. I'm what you would consider uh, an anxious ex- extrovert. So yes. I'm very extroverted and I'm very social. And anyone who knows me would be like, oh, Adi's so confident. She always says the right thing or she's very eloquent or she's a great businesswoman. But inside, each the way that I make that happen is like 10,000 decisions happening at the same time. Mm. And it's very... I'm very anxious inside, even though it might not seem that way outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really hard for me to be friends. I'm def uh, to make friends. I'm definitely a people pleaser. So uh, I was always trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Like I was trying to be the funny girl, or I was trying to be the athletic girl, or I was trying to be something instead of just allowing people to like me for who I was. And instead of putting myself out there because I was too afraid and insecure about who I was or whether people were going to like me or not. I would just stay home because it was easier. Is so it, I would stay home. Is it, and, fair to say, yeah. is it fair to say that you would uh, you would change who you were portraying yourself to be around the people that were around you? Is mm. that is that because I, me, myself and Tommy can definitely, we, we kind of call ourselves extroverted Introverts or introverted yeah. extroverts. We actually, when yeah, you, you know. when you said um, that you were an anxious extrovert, we both looked at each other and just yeah. nodded. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, oh yeah, we're the same. Yeah, because yeah. that's the, yeah. Is that how you felt? <laughs> you, you would always try and change yourself a little bit around, d- depending on the surroundings you were in. 
Yes, definitely. Mm. And I think I'm still that way a little bit. And I think sometimes it's advantageous for me to be that way. And Mm -hmm. it's a skill. But at the same time, um, I even still, it's easier to like, just not do that. Like it's a lot of effort to do that. It's a lot of energy Mm. to be that way all the time. Like it's almost like you're on all the time. Mm. And it's just easier for me to just stay home and not put myself out there as much as I want to reach out and ask someone to hang out or, um, be social at the time. It was just way easier for me to just sit at home in my basement with a bunch of junk food and watching TV. Yeah. So that, sounds that was just Which easier. Doesn't sound like a bad time doesn't, really. I'm a big movie all. buff and I love me a sweet tooth. <laughs> and I so. love junk food, yeah. <laughs> so if you ever need a, if you ever need a, if you ever need a, a little recluse, anxious recluse to uh, hang out with, I'm, I'm there for you. Yeah. And Tommy, I reckon we could have a good little Saturday night. Yeah, I reckon this is probably the way drug addiction starts. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah well, that's pretty natural. That's how, um, like I said, I, I, um, I can r- literally understand a lot of what you said and I think a lot of people can as well. And mm. um, yeah, well, that, that's interesting. So, and then what was it that, um, so it was your mother that, that started the change and then obviously you got to, um, got to the point you're at now. Um, okay, cool. So, so what about um, working with gravity? So when did it, you wrote a blog and then how did it, how did it steamroll from there? Did you start, was it just people following your blog or you, you were dealing with people on a PT basis? What was the next step with um, working with gravity? Working against, working, working with, working, <laughs> working against gravity. Um, I, the, the blog itself was called workingagainstgravity.com mm-hmm. and uh, people just started emailing me and asking me to help them with their nutrition. And then once I got past five people, um, I figured I would start charging people cause it was, was taking up like a significant amount of my time. Mm, yeah. And then, uh, the real like catalyst for, uh, at the beginning, like what the real impact was, I was working with Travis Mash from Ashley performance and he had an online weightlifting team. And he just asked me if I would offer that nutrition help to his online weightlifting team. And once he had like launched that effort, we got 80 people wow. overnight. Wow. And mm. that's like a significant amount. And then from there, it became like I was getting like three hours of sleep a night. I wouldn't go to sleep. I really just was like so focused on giving these people the best service I possibly could at the time, which in retrospect, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like how, how bad we did back mm-hmm. then. Cause we've evolved so much since then. Uh, but yeah, we, we gave 80 people a good enough service for them to tell their friends and their friends and their friends. And now we have 2,200 people on the program. 2,200 people. That's insane. Wow. That's, uh, that's crazy. So, so you guys, um, you guys, you guys work with um, the, the guys from Barbell Shrug, right? You, yourself and Mike. I believe that's how you guys met, yeah? Um, we don't work with them, but we are part of uh, – they have a mastermind, uh, which is just a, a group of like, like-minded entrepreneurs who get together four times a year and share business ideas and things that are going on and just learn. And we basically help each other succeed mm-hmm. and are just always there for each other. And uh, Mike Bledsoe is a very good friend of mine. And we – Michael and I met – my Michael and I met at – uh, my first mastermind, which was in San Diego. And cool. so I, I guess you could, you would say Barbell Shrug, they're like mentors of mine. They were my first mentors. Yeah, cool. So that's cool. So you work with those guys. Did you have any other, um, any other help 
along the way to to grow the business and scale the business, or were you just oh a s- solo entrepreneur? And how did it how did it go from eighty people to two thousand two hundred? And and what was the timeline? Um, tell mm. us how that all happened mm. because that's that's a really uh, that's huge growth, and you know you're doing awesome. So we'll get the notepad out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had. I think that one of the major uh, factors of our success is that I actively, actively ask for help all the time. Like I'm always asking for help. Uh, I truly believe that the fastest path to progress is learning from others' mistakes without having to make them yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly being like, how do, how did you do this? Like I see people doing things that I want to be doing, or I see a company that is already where I want to be in the next phase. So I'll ask them how they're doing those things and I'd rather choose a path that has already seen success versus just like trial and error, trying things on my own. Yes. Uh, so I've, I've been doing that since the beginning. Like I started, I went to Barbell Shrugged, like that, that mastermind very fast. Uh, and that was, so our first, my first client, I guess was in September of 2014. So we've been just over two years and, um, yeah, it started with just me and then it I had two guys helping me at the beginning when we got 80 people and then slowly when the three of us like reached you can only coach so many people. Like yeah. I, I there's only so much time in a day and we really want to give the best service possible so you you really do reach a capacity of how many clients you can work with at a time. So once we had reached our capacity but we're still receiving um clients, we decided we were going to hire our first coach and that just everything just created systems as we go. And it just really just grew from there. Just slowly, slowly each day, one day at a time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That is awesome. That's awesome. So, Mm. um, what is the actual, what is the program that everyone in, uh, that's signed up to working against gravity, what do they actually get from you? Um, or is there different packages? How does it, how much of their daily intake of food and their, their programming, how much of it do you actually do? So the way that it works is you, we only sell one thing. I like, I, this is like a silly story, but I watched the Steve Jobs movie mm-hmm. and great movie. he talks about, yeah, it was a great movie. And he talked about Apple, how it's like closed end to end. And he was like, so strict on it. Like we are not opening Mac to like be compatible with other things. And I just like took it pretty seriously Mm. when I watched it. So we only offer one thing. Um, Maybe we'll change that in the future, but we are really good at doing one thing. It's one price and we never discount it. It's just, that is what it is. And we only do that one thing. So um, when you sign up for the program, you send us uh, answers to a questionnaire that has also evolved over time and photos of yourself. Mm-hmm. And from there, you're assigned a coach based on a number. There's a few questions within that questionnaire that would associate you to a particular coach that might have a better affinity to what you're looking for. And then they create the initial program, which is actually like not the magic at all. Like there's nothing, anyone can give you an initial set of macros. It's just a coach is giving you a certain amount of carbs, proteins, and fats to eat on any given day. Some people are getting the same macros for every day. Some people are getting different macros for days they train, days they don't depend. It really is totally individual. It's completely prescribed to who you are, what your past relationship was with food, past diets that you used to um, comply with, 
it it's like really completely based on the individual yep. and then from there it's a weekly check-in with your coach and that's just one formal check-in a week and that would be you sending in your information from the past seven days and that's your body weight how many macros you were eating each day any a summary of the week with your like mood energy struggles you were having successes you were having and then your coach will provide for you the strategies to continue to succeed and make any adjustments if necessary and you can also ask any questions at any time but um it's just one formal check in a week where there's an adjustment of your intake and that's just to keep the the client accountable i'm assuming it's to keep the client accountable but also to maintain progress so mm, you can't sure. there's no like there's no single set of macros that's going to work for you for the rest of your life because mm. you might change your your method of exercise, you might change your frequency of exercise, you might change your volume, you might be tapering for a meet, you might uh, be competing at the CrossFit Games or mm. whatever it is. There's going, there's life happens, so things have to be adjusted all the time. Mm. And how long does it take for someone to really get into the the motion with it all? Like you know, they they always talk about you know, for example, when you stop drinking alcohol or when you come off coffee and all this sort of stuff. That there's that almost withdrawal period, and you go through sweats and all this sort of stuff when someone's making such a big change. Um, do you normally see a pattern starting to emerge with how long it takes for them to get into the, the, um, the nutrition, the, the stuff that you're offering? It, it really depends on the kind of person you are. If you're the kind of person who's really organized and patient, uh, it'll be a lot faster for you than mm. somebody who's impatient and is looking for immediate results. I mean, any program that tells you they can give you immediate results is lying and they're not telling you the truth. So it, there's nothing worthwhile that comes like that uh, and it's not going to be sustainable. Mm. But we're not, we're not necessarily drastically changing people's actual diet. Like you're making your own food choices. Mm. So you could essentially eat the same foods that you've been eating. We're merely providing parameters in which you have to remain so you can still eat whatever foods it is that you're you're interested in eating. So there shouldn't be too much of a change mm. because we do take into account the way you were eating previously. So there shouldn't be like too drastic of a change in terms of like the actual things you're eating. Uh, we don't believe in complete restriction. Um, we're not going to um, shame you for eating particular foods. Mm. Uh, so there shouldn't be too much of that. The biggest adjustment is actually tracking your food, like weighing and measuring every single thing you eat is an adjustment, takes patience. It can be frustrating, especially if you eat out at restaurants all the time or if you're a very social person and um, have anxiety like me, then you might feel anxious about you know, busting out a scale in front of your friends mm. and they'll, it might feel weird. Okay, cool. So I want to ask because there's obviously a lot of um, stuff in CrossFit in, in our world where it's, you know, they talk about the paleo and they talk about the zone diet. And I think one of the, maybe maybe misconception is the wrong word, but one of the things that I feel like has come from the zone diet is that you can essentially zone anything um, and it takes away um, any sort of accountability for the quality of the food. Um, any, any, any chance you could sort of um, open up a bit more on that? So you know, I'm just I'm just imagining um, if someone came to you and they said, "Oh, look, you know, I eat uh, four thousand macros burgers every day," and you sort of gave them the the parameters of which they could hit their macros in that, um, would you be having a word to them as well about maybe sort of changing the quality of the food as well? Definitely, yeah. That, that is a huge proponent of our program. I think that it might be a differentiator in terms of 
what we do versus um, a number of other people that are doing similar things. We are a huge believer in eating real food. It's part of our mission and our, um, I mean, I, I was just talking about this recently, but most of the time, like in history, like the people that messed up are the people that took something natural and processed it down and turned it into something it's not. And mm. then that messed people up, whether mm. it was like cocaine or sugar or, you know, like that we believe in eating real food, but sure. at the same time, we believe in enjoy, enjoying your life. Mm. So we believe that um, 85 to 95% of your diet or 80 to 95% of your diet should be coming from whole nutrient-dense sources. And 10 to 15% of your diet can come from whatever the heck you want. If that's going to keep and, you sugar saying- Sugar and cocaine. Sugar and cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's, uh, that justifies my breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, Adi, you, you talked about you've been on many different diets yourself. So, um, what do you actually follow? Is it paleo? Is it zone? Um, I'd love to hear what you thought of the ketogenic diet. I hear this um, term flexible dieting, which I don't really know what it means. I assume it's zone, but just with more of well, a... Flex- flex- flexible dieting is, is what um, working against gravity is. Flexible dieting is just the tracking of carbs, fats, and proteins, and that's just what flexible dieting is. Mm, okay. And zone is like blocks. So zone would be you would have like a fat block, but you wouldn't count like the protein and the carbs that are in that fat block. Right. So, yeah. It, so yeah. So it's like it's like a it's a different way of tracking your macros. Yeah, I've actually followed the zone diet back in the day, and uh, does, it, does and, it work though? Like, how do you account for the spillover effect of the extra proteins and fats or whatever? Well, that you, you, you account you account for it because they give you like significant like the if you just count the calories in your blocks alone it's significantly less calories than you would ever like for, for, I mean, I worked with Matt Chan who was as huge zone diet, mm, like he did the zone mm. diet forever. And when he told me initially what blocks he was eating, it was like 1200 calories worth of blocks. Like there's no way Matt Chan at 200 no. pounds, like absolutely shredded gains athlete is eating 1200 calories. Yeah, so the right. zone diet just, it puts you at a lower base and to account for the excess that you're going to eat in the macros that you don't track. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. That makes sense. Okay. So what, how many calories do you think he probably would have been eating then? I mean, he was probably like somewhere around 2,500 calories a day. It's not 3,000, over 3,000 calories. Mm. When he was working with me, I mean, I could look it up, but he was between 3,000 and 3,300 calories. Yeah. Which is something you just, you'd need to maintain at that sort of fitness level and he's a big dude he's a big boy as well yeah but otherwise you just start losing weight yeah that's right Mm. muscle atrophy and it wouldn't be a good time Mm. well what about um what about paleo so paleo obviously was the biggest buzzword on the planet if you're a crossfitter and even into the fitness industry it spilled over into afl football in australia Mm. and everybody around the world knows what paleo means and now there's a lot of people that take the piss right out of paleo um there's a lot of people that still swear by it what do you think um, of paleo as on one hand for the general populace who want to be fit and healthy or healthy and then what do you feel about paleo on the other hand for an athlete? Um, I'm sure that training I think for the games. Yeah, yeah, training, I, training for something in particular. I think, I think that people have this like misunderstanding of what they like – people like to take something and then take it all the way to the extreme. So I am like not an extreme person in any way. So I would be, I believe in all kinds of diets. I believe in finding whatever it is that works for you. 
I think the best program in the world is the program that you're actually going to abide by. Mm. So it doesn't really matter. Like the optimal program for you is the one that you're actually going to follow. And if paleo works for you, then it that's great. But a lot of people take paleo to the extreme where they're like only eat bacon because it's paleo or they'll eat paleo baked goods because it's paleo. And or they'll say like I'm 80% paleo and 20% not. But like paleo is kind of like a 100% kind of thing. Like you're either paleo or you're not. Mm, yeah. So there is no like 80% paleo, 20% not. If 20% of the time you're not paleo, then you're not paleo. That's you're, just right. eating, just, you're just eating food. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I think that people are just like, like to believe in something and be part of a community. And I, I love that. I think it's absolutely amazing. I think the principles behind the paleolithic diet are wonderful. I think that, uh, for the average population to try and eat foods that fall within that category, you know, meat, lean meats, nuts, seeds, uh, vegetables, uh, it does say like limited fruits, uh, no processed foods. I mean, I think the principles are, are, are beautiful. Uh, I think that for some people that might not be sustainable long-term mm. where it might make them, uh, not be able to participate in certain aspects of life that just happen like birthday parties, like there's going to be a cake there or alcoholic beverages or, uh, not, it doesn't necessarily give the education of how to moderate yourself when those things do come into your life. For sure. And, and I'm, the, I'm the same. If I yeah. see it, if I'm at a birthday party and oh. I can't eat the cake, I'm not at the oh, birthday party. I'm not at the birthday party either. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. I, I don't uh, get respectfully it. decline. I, uh, I'm paleo, I'm paleo right now, so yeah. uh, I won't be there. Is the birthday cake <laughs> going to be uh, some starch, a uh, little sugar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it, it going to be a meat cake? <laughs> um, what about... Um, so, what about for... Um, for an athlete, though, what about for for a say a CrossFit Games athlete with paleo? Because there was a lot of go- a Games athletes early on. Chad McKay's a famous one who from Australia, really really big guy, huge guy. I think he was the biggest CrossFit Games athlete when he was at the Games for the years he was there. And he still swears by strict paleo, but he seems to be the only one. I don't think for me it doesn't seem like you're getting enough carbs in, really, basically. Or if you are, then you're eating. A uh, wheelbarrow full of uh, of broccoli and and uh, leafy greens every day. How hard is it to actually have a paleo diet and be a high level athlete? Do you think? Um, I think like if you're still getting in your carbs, which uh, for a really large male would probably be difficult, just because I mean you'd be full like all the time. You'd be yeah. eating so much fruit and so much vegetables and. And if you could get more carb, I mean, carrots are more dense in carbs, radishes, there are certain things, but you can't have, unless if you think sweet, sweet potatoes are kind of like the controversial one. Like they're, they are paleo to some people and then they Mm -hmm. aren't paleo to other people. So if you could have sweet potatoes, you could make it work as long as you're getting enough carbohydrates to fuel your training. I think, I think paleo could work. I just, um, I, I think it could work. Yeah. If it, you just need enough carbohydrates to fuel your training. And then also there is the fact of, okay, there might be that one games athlete that's having like, you know, 50 grams of carbs or under and still being able to perform. But I, I urge people not to relate to the one in a hundred, you know, you're probably part of the 95%. Like yeah. statistically, you're probably in the majority, you're probably not the exception to the rule. Like everyone wants to be the exception to the rule, but you're probably not. Yeah. Just based on 
on statistics. Like For it's sure. just, it's probably unlikely that you're the person it's, it's in weightlifting. The analogy that was given to me was 5% of elite level weightlifters wear a weightlifting belt in snatch. Mm-hmm. So, but like 95% aren't wearing a weightlifting belt in snatch. So you're probably part of the 95% that shouldn't be doing that mm-hmm. or the other way around. Like, Five percent of people don't wear a belt during clean and jerk. You probably mm-hmm. should be wearing a belt during clean and jerk because mm. you are likely part of the ninety-five percent. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Yep. So um, yeah, that's that's my stance. No, no, that's good. So <laughs> what about um? So I've been talking about it with my girlfriend for a while now. And we just haven't bit the bullet. Um, wanted to try out ketogenic diet. So I'm a big. Uh, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast every single day. Nearly um, fighter and the kid. Two of my favorite podcasts. Both uh, Joe Rogan, Brennan Shaw, the, the hosts of those shows, both um, ketogenic diet. Obviously, I've looked into it in multitude of different ways. Um, and I find um, lots of good uh, – I find a lot, lots of people with, uh, had a really good experience with it. So what was your experience? Because I, 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 it seems to me – and I, like I said, I haven't tried it, but it seems to me like it's, it seems very good for weight loss. Um, how did you feel day to day? People use it for mental acuity, like Tim Ferriss is a big proponent of it. Yeah, what was your experience with going keto-like? So my experience was the transition period into going into ketosis was difficult. It like actually um, made – I was in school at the time, so it made learning and sitting in class difficult for me. But that was just in like the transition period of switching to um, using fatty acids for energy versus carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And – for, I I felt fine once I got there. Just like the the food options are are much more limited, mm. and uh, it just didn't suit my lifestyle. Yeah. I, I I will always say like I believe in whatever really works for your lifestyle. There's there's going to be research and believers in every kind of diet, and there's going to be people that are researchers and people that will um like contend against every single diet. Like you can find a study that says this about carbs and then you can find a study that says the opposite. So I, I think that it would be something that you could experiment on yourself and being uh, like a lab rat for yourself is kind of fun sometimes and just to try it out. Uh, for me, it wasn't sustainable long term. Like I enjoy uh, going out to restaurants with my friends and um, having like a burger with no bun and only tomatoes and like a salad on the <laughs> side all the time is like not it's just not no. it's fun. For, like it's not for some people that might be though. Like I, I recently met Tom Bilyeu, who's like the founder of quest nutrition oh, yeah. and he, he does that. Like we actually ate with him and he was eating like a burger with no bun and a really? side salad, some vegetables. And he does that. Like he, even when he's traveling, he's totally ketogenic and he, you know, he doesn't necessarily train like a, an athlete, but he loves it. And it, it really works for his lifestyle. And, for me, it's it's all dependent on what your priorities are, and um, I prioritize sometimes like a cookie, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've, uh, you've got your priorities in line there, Dave. Some think. chips. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Ferriss. Um, Tim Ferriss famously um, carries sardines. He he packs his bags mm. when he's traveling long long distance, uh, long journeys out of, away from home. And he packs packs his bags with um, tons and tons of, me, yeah. of sardines. Yeah. And they're like loaded. Yeah. Loaded with like oh, lots of vitamins and minerals. It's really good for athletes as well. I used to have them before I would compete sardines, sardines. and red beets. 
Hey gang, just a quick word from our sponsors here. We are sponsored today by True Pride. So True Pride are a wealth creation service who work with ambitious individuals and families looking to take control, worry less, and get ahead. If you're looking for a way to take control, worry less, and get ahead when it comes to your money, True Pride is that wealth coaching business um, that really, really, truly will help you. Um, for me personally, it's saved up to $78 now per week um, just by budgeting and going through it with the guys there. They link you up with a software um, called CashFit, and um, it really is fantastic. Have you been going all right with this? Yeah, I'm not as far into it as, as you are, though, because we're waiting on some uh, some finance for me, which is going to be able to, we're going to be able to look at things a lot differently. Yeah. But so you're at seventy eight dollars of savings per week. About seventy eight dollars. And that's and you're only just started, so you're, well, and you're still you're still working on uh, you. Want, the aim is to get to like one hundred and fifty bucks per week or something, right? Well, I want to get even, I want to get about two hundred bucks. Yeah. Because I can, I definitely can. You know. So if you guys uh, if you guys don't mind having more money in the old bank account, the let, let alone up the old Hamas, then uh, then make sure you head to www truepride.com forward slash oh truepride.com.au mm. forward slash advf check out uh, check out what these guys do schedule a call take our word for it have a chat with the guys if you want to join up you'll get the $297 joining fee waived because you are listeners of Adventure Fruit Radio which is the best podcast in the world <laughs> we are also sponsored to you by Carve and we're also sponsored, sponsored by ourselves to you we're sponsored by to you we're brought to you and sponsored by Carve which is a company that specializes in anything digital from building apps Designing a logo, automating your business down to setting up your next event. Carve is the partner to be when you want to have more time to focus on the things you love and scale your business. Now, what do you use Carve for, Tommy? Carve, actually, uh, I use it a little bit. I use it here and there. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly for the radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, at, look at you with that face on. What? <laughs> Just give me this, like, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Well, talk I speak about to, it. I speak to, uh, I speak to our mate, Alf. Mm-hmm. Um, Albino, Albinox. Albino, Albinox, um, Albino, <laughs> who's listening right now. Um, and he, he helps us out with a lot of the stuff. So, editing the show. Um, you know, all that sort of thing. <laughs> just gone completely blank here. You're really good at this. <laughs> um, and what do we pay for? Uh, what do we pay for the services at uh, at Carve, mate? Probably about six dollars an hour. That's US dollars, of course. US dollars, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good actually stuff. Vietnamese dong. <laughs> It is six US dollars. So it, it costs nothing for us. They make a really good living over there, guys. And it's helped us out a shitload in getting the, uh, the show out to you and help us with, uh, with all things AdventureFit Radio and AdventureFit Travel. So head to carve, www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF to get 10 hours free on any project. We are finally also sponsored to you by ah, AdventureFit no, Travel, Adventure which Travel. we will talk to you about at the end of the show. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Yeah. And here's the show. Yeah, so I, I was doing the same thing when I was uh, in the US earlier in the year. I was carrying around um, sardines because, yeah, they they were good and um, they a good start to the day, good snack that you could have in between. Do they taste you know, good? Um, they taste all right, but what what I will say, if you try and eat sardines every day or even twice a day, mm. it's it becomes the grossest thing. Yeah. Your insides. Remember how I was talking about you having slimy insides the other day because yeah. you can't. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Was we're that, talking about keto. Yeah, that's right. About how you can't eat nuts. You just have to eat avocados slimy. And, and and oils. Yeah. So that's how I felt. I, I couldn't eat the amount of uh, sardines mm. that Tim Ferriss talks about eating, but they are pretty tasty. What did you? What did your? Um, when you were ketogenic, what did your like? What did a breakfast, lunch, and dinner look like a day for you? 
it would be like whole eggs with avocados and some spinach Mm -hmm. and then some type of meat like taco salad, which is still like one of my favorite dishes. So I would have some vegetables, like usually cucumbers, tomatoes with some type, either ground turkey or um, some type of ground meat and with some salsa and more avocado. Mm. I love avocado. Like I oh, can eat yeah, avocado yeah. with a spoon. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so I do it avocado with a spoon. I eat it with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, I would, oh, I, I really enjoy fish. So I would cook myself some type of white fish with a side of, again, some type of vegetable of some sort. Beautiful. Yeah, so that's the only and problem I have with... lots of olive oil. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That, that's the only problem I have with kid, um, ketogenic diet is it's just, it does look so... It looks difficult to maintain because of the lack of food and the, you know, you've got no novelty in there. You've just got, yeah, avocados every day and nuts and, mm. and, and oils. But um, I'm keen to give it a go. So, but, so say someone came to you a day... So you, you just work with what people want... Um, Sorry, with what people are currently working with in way of their diet and you try and make it work better for them. But say somebody comes to you and they eat um, they eat burgers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Their, their diet needs to be <laughs> fully fully um, taken and thrown out and, and start fresh. Hey, I want to start with you. I know it probably has to be gradual changes and, and so forth, but what do you actually go to? Do you What would you call it? Would you call it a paleo-ish zone block ketogenic? What would you call it? I mean, we don't, we don't tell you what food to eat. Like we're not going to make your food choices for you. I truly believe that in order for any type of diet to be sustainable, you need to be empowered to be able to make those decisions for yourself. Mm. If I tell you to eat steak and broccoli, but you really want to have chicken and mashed potatoes, you're immediately less likely to comply. Definitely. So we don't tell, you can eat paleo and still track your macros. You can... I mean, if someone was coming and wanted to do ketosis, I would probably recommend them to go to somebody who's more of an expertise in that because we don't have an expertise in that. And we mm-hmm. work primarily more with people who um, are exercising high intensity and uh, prioritize working out. So we don't necessarily work with people um, in ketosis, but we have had certain cases where people just aren't losing weight um, eating carbohydrates, whether it's that's forcing them to underreport, or that is um, just not working for their body. So we will increase fats and lower carbs, but um, I would probably recommend somebody who wanted to do ketosis to find somebody who um, is marketing themselves as being an expert in that category. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of like paleo or um, zone, zone is like a method of tracking as well. So we wouldn't be zone, but um, I mean, I think we just like eat real food. <laughs> mm, cool. So, well, that's the best way. Yeah. Adi, hey, I've got a, um, it's kind of like a personal question as well, but a lot of the members at the gyms I've worked at and all this sort of stuff seem to have the same issue. I'm more than happy to eat, um, the healthiest stuff in the, in the, in the world. Like I don't really mind eating for me, um, tends to just become a, a means to an end. What I really struggle with is the, uh, the, um, the organization that goes into it, because I'm always on the run with um, doing the podcast and, and coaching and I'm back and forth from home, I find myself not having a lot of time or not putting a lot of time towards um, prepping my meals and um, or I just struggle with that side. But I'm, And then from obviously what ha- what happens then is that I just find myself, you know, going past 7-Eleven or, or whatever and just finding whatever I can that has some form of nutrition in it. Do you get a lot of clients that come to you with that sort of issue and how do you... 
um, help them in that way? Definitely. Definitely. That is everyone's issue. I mean, everyone believes that they don't have enough time, that mm. they're, everyone's really busy. Um, you fill up the time that you have. It's just like, mm. that's the way things work. And uh, so that is like, we are experts at behavior change. So that would definitely be something that we work with our clients with. We for something like like not having enough time, I would challenge you to change your mindset. Instead of saying, I don't have enough time, you are the keeper of time. So you can change that mindset to I make time. Ooh. So like forget about the clock at all. Like you make – so an example someone gave to me. It's actually in a book called um, The Big Leap. And uh, the example was if you're working on the computer and you have a daughter and your daughter comes up to you and you're, you're, you're like focused on your work and she's like, Oh daddy, daddy, like come play with me, come play with me. And you're like, no honey, like I don't have time to play with you right now. Mm. And then all of a sudden she breaks her arm. Like all of a sudden now you have time. Mm. Like you mm. now have time to take her to the emergency room to get a cast on her arm. Instead of saying, I don't have time, even just changing the language that you say out loud to saying, honey, like I can't play with you right now because I'm doing work, but I'm going to make time to play with you later. That is going to immediately change your perspective on this like scarcity that everyone has. Like there, this time is scarce and it's going to run out and we don't have enough. Mm. So just like that mindset shift and even changing your actual language is extremely powerful. Like saying those kinds of things out loud and catching yourself using those words. Mm. Um, they have an effect on your body, whether you know, whether you're conscious of it or not, saying things out loud, like, oh my God, this workout is going to be really hard, is going to change your reaction to the workout, regardless of whether you think it is or not. It just will. Yeah, um, that, that's a really good point. I think the um, the next time my, my little daughter comes up to me and says that, I've got to stop saying that, you know, you're an accident and you're adopted and um, <laughs> maybe I should say that she's, uh, yeah, I don't know who you are. Um, I, I don't remember who your mum is. Um, I'm sorry. I'm what gonna are make you actually time. doing here? Yeah, I'm going to make time for you and find out who the hell you are. <laughs> so, no, that's, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> but a tip that I would have for you... Um, some of the tips that we would give for people in that situation, people, whenever they hear the word meal prep, they all, all of a sudden think of like, you know, a million Tupperwares and like portioning out your, your meals for the rest of the week. But meal prep is really anything that's going to save you any amount of time. Like five minutes of time is still going to be meal prep. Mm. I would prepare, um, your house to, um, suit your goals. So thing, little things like if you have like a family size bag of M&Ms in your, um, in your house, instead of taking food directly out of that bag to pre-portion it out into serving sizes into like little Ziploc bags, so you can just grab one serving at a time mm. and you would, you would already know like the macros that's in it. Um, something like that, like might take five minutes, but it's going to save you a lot of time. Uh, for being on the run all the time, choose the three places that you spend the most time. So whether it's the gym, your office, um, school, whatever it is, and jail. pick <laughs> jail. Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> your last gag was funny, mate. Just go on. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <Dave>. Continue. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I would pick the the places that you spend the most time, and then to pick an option that's convenient or that's near you. It doesn't even have to be convenient, just an option, a restaurant or a grocery store or something near you and pre like prepare 
what food option you could have there. Mm. So for something like I would go to uh, a restaurant that's near the office and then I would order a meal there. I know I've encouraged clients to go there, take it to go. If you like weigh it out or track whatever macros are in it once, you now know what, like, it might not be the most precise thing in the entire world, but you can just order the same meal there and you already know what the macros are. So you know that that's an option at the place that you're going to be spending the most time. So there's never this, there's always an option for you everywhere you go. And that might take like, you know, an hour of Googling or looking for the nutrition information online or, you know, going to that restaurant and ordering the meal. But then for the rest of the time, that option exists. That's a great tip. That is a really good tip. That's, that's, that's something that I've never thought about before. And like you say, it's an investment of your own time yeah. in to set, up, set it up, but then mm-hmm. it's done. So you could even get like a lot of the places will have, um, they'll have macros or you could look up macros of some of their meals, I'm sure. Mm. And then you could have, all right, there's the five things that I can eat for lunch yeah. around my work. And then you know those. And you, if you're not changing jobs every six months, then yep. you, you only have to do it once. It's easy. That's a, that's a really good tip. Um, you spoke about, uh, you spoke about, emotion uh well you alluded to kind of the emotional and cha- changing habits side of it um ad so you deal with a lot of this stuff yourself your, your coaches uh have you done any mindset training yourself or is it just something you've learned on the fly or do you ever refer people out to talk to, to talk to other professionals in that realm how do you deal with the fact that a lot of this eating uh, and the and the overeating problems that people have is because it's kind of emotionally attached Yeah, it is. That is something we realized like really quick, like right when you started, especially since it's all remote. So there's like this, this anonymity that comes with emailing somebody, you don't like see their reaction, you can be more open and free. And it's very judgment free. We are very safe place. We're um, very positive community. So people will definitely open up more than you expect them to. And we realized that really early. And I come from an experience of, it it was an emotional way of me associating food to cope Mm. um, with all of my insecurities or the shame that I was feeling. So uh, if we do hear some things in our emails or from our clients that are beyond our scope of work, whether that's um, some like purging or those kinds of things that is definitely beyond what we are, um, educated in and, uh, can help people with. So we will refer them out from there. Uh, but we do have a a weekly mindfulness practice that goes out to everybody on the program. And that is, um, it's different every single week and it ranges from, um, learning how to find balance in your life, um, how to reevaluate your priorities, how to conserve your energy, some meditation practices. Um, I meditate every single morning. The first thing I do every day when I wake up. Um, and that's something mindfulness and self-awareness has been something that I've been personally working on. Um, it really, since I met Michael, so yeah. a year and a half ago, it's like a daily, uh, goal of mine is to, um, establish some new learning about myself. That's um that's interesting. I uh, I also mm. myself and Tommy. I probably upped my um, meditative practices when I started this podcast with Tommy because he's been meditating ri- uh, ritually for eighteen months now. Um. So and I I genuinely you, you mentioned this is this t- going off topic a little bit more talking about you if you don't mind me asking. Um. So. I've dealt with a lot of the same things anxiety-wise and that's why I meditate. I also gratitude journal. Uh, Me and Tommy have the same morning routine, basically, Mm. I think. We have a cold shower or I have warm and then goes to cold. Then we gratitude journal very very briefly. Uh, Then we 
we meditate. We don't do this together, by the way. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I but, was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, roll out of bed together and yeah. then uh, – No but, dance. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but Tommy also, Tommy also journals um, daily as well mm. on a number of things. But what do you do? Obviously, you know, it's – for me, anxieties can be a crippling, crippling um, – it can be a crippling thing to deal with. I, you know, sometimes it's just – it's manageable and it's those extra thoughts in your head and – you know, that are just unnecessary, but sometimes it can be, as I'm sure you know, I'm not sure what degree. Worse, and it can hit you in places where uh, you, you, you can't afford to have it. Yeah, that's right. What do you, what do, you do outside of, or what does your meditation look like? And do you have any other practices? Like how do you stay on top of all that side of mm. things, Adi? Uh, it's it like, I totally agree with you. Anxiety can be crippling. It, um, can present you in, in certain scenarios where you start behaving in a way that doesn't align with, with who you believe yourself to be. And it's like, almost like you can't control yourself. Like Mm. it's just, you just end up going down this hole and you can't stop yourself. Mm. Um, and I've experienced that before, uh, many times. And my meditation practice is I wake up every single morning, I put my headphones in and I sit cross-legged with my palms facing to the ceiling and I uh, use the app called Headspace. Yep. And uh, just as I'm, I start, when I started, I actually hated it. Like I was sitting there, I couldn't, sometimes I would be, my my mind would be so loud that I even forgot that he was talking. And then all of a sudden I would like remember that he was talking to me oh. and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm terrible at this. Mm, like 100%. I don't even remember what he's trying to ask me to do. Mm. Like what even, but then Michael who's been through rehab and he's been meditating for years and years, um, like probably like 10 years now. Wow. And he um, encouraged me that it's just the practice of practicing that is the whole point. And the skill is to just bring the attention back to the breath and yeah. back to the body. And that um, it's one of those things that you don't realize the benefits right away. And that eventually you start subtly realizing different aspects of your life that become more calm. Um, you, you notice emotions sooner and um, can take more time before acting upon them. Uh, I do other things, like many other things. I, I draw very high detailed drawings. So really? it, um, it quiets my mind because I have to focus really. Um, I like, they're like very detailed. Mm. So I have to like really focus on them. Um, and other things that I do, I, I have, um, a life, I guess you would call her a life coach. She's actually a love coach and she works with Michael and I once a week. Um, I, uh, do not, I'm lucky that I have someone like him in my life that is not uh, fearful of me saying those like really uncomfortable things out loud that I'm thinking and can like put me in check and have somebody who's who's like okay that's like a story that you're creating in your head like that's not actually true like Mm -hmm. those thoughts that you're thinking is just a story that's right Um, I, I read a lot of books I like there's a book if you've never read called The Untethered Soul And it is like, it is all about this. It's like life changing for sure. Mm. And it talks about how that voice in your head isn't actually you. Mm. And it's just this thing that you've created and it gives you terrible advice all the time. Mm. And it's just 
this voice that keeps talking and, and it's just, it, it's constant. It's constant chatter. You can be in the car and it's like, Oh, that tree's green. Or, <laughs> Oh, like it's just constantly going, but mm. that's not you. Like you're not that voice in your head. You're creating that voice in your head. So strange, um, isn't it? We create, we literally do create a little character mm. that we listen to and we think we need to, we need to let it, let him or her control our lives. But really once you get into the, once you become mindful and you become present, then you realize that that's got nothing to do with your life. And you can hear you can hear that person talking like, oh, that person's chattering away mm. again while I'm trying to live my life. It's, yeah. it's such a it's strange... A, it, it's actually strange because sometimes they'll, like that voice will instruct you to do something that's like totally messed up. Like they'll give you like the worst advice ever. And like maybe you'll, you'll ruin a friendship or you'll ruin a relationship. And then 10 minutes later, you'll listen to the voice again. Yeah. Even though like it just totally screwed things up based on this. And we all um, like nobody, nobody like makes you feel an emotion like mm. anger or, or ha- like nobody makes you feel. It's just something happens. And then that voice in your head creates this thought that might be true or it might be totally not true. And it's like this movie that you've invented. And if you said it out loud to that person, they would be like, oh, my God, like I can't even believe that's what you're thinking from mm. what I just did. Because it's like not even true. Yeah. You know, and we just like yeah. invent it. I, I could literally talk about this stuff for, for days and days. My dad and I um, have actually decided to write a book together um, on this stuff because we both went through a similar stuff, um, similar things around the same age. Um, obviously, my dad and I are not the same age. But, uh, um, <laughs> that'd be strange. That'd be very strange. But uh, I actually, one of the first things I did when I was um, going through, you know, going through the, the anxiety that I had and then when I started to come out of it, I actually drew the the little guy in the voice of my head, and I actually called him Zach. Um, just, Why Zach? I don't know. Just called just him called him it. Zach. He's a, he's a little bald headed fella. Um, <laughs> and this actually sounds like a mate of ours, but it's not at all. Um, it's actually <laughs> not uh, at all. Shout out to Zach Rigurovich, one yeah, of the listeners of the that's show. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's actually not him at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's not my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, he's a mate, but uh, this little bloke isn't. Um, he's a little bald headed fella um, that wears really sort of weird clumpy shoes, and he always tells me weird advice and. Um, it's just a way that I sort of make myself disassociate myself from my thoughts because like you said, Adi, where we're not our thoughts, it's just um, we, we get these thoughts in response to um, emotions that we feel and, and that sort of stuff. But um, a really weird thought that came into my mind yesterday, I was walking past a, a park and um, there was a little kid on a swing there and I just, and little, uh, uh, the way I see it is Zach told me and he just asked me, what if I just picked that kid up and just belted him over a fence? Like just a bizarre thought. What do you mean? As in, like, if I just kicked him over a fence and and saw how far I could kick him, like, just a bizarre thought. And obviously, you, I know you pretty well. I don't think that's in your actual person. I've I've never. I don't think I'll ever see you pick a little child up and boot it and boot it over a fence. That is. That is. And I, like, I was sort of thinking to myself, "Geez, you're a weirdo." (laughs) But it's amazing. Like, and it's it. I think um, what you were saying before, Adi, about um, how meditation can help you. You know, just uh, look at thoughts as just passing clouds in the sky, as opposed to what, as opposed to seeing the thoughts as um, as who you actually are. The more you can do that, the uh, the more productive you'll be. You know. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Like it's it's like the hardest thing to do, but it's so simple when you say it out loud. Yep. It's just it's it's a practice. It's like a skill, like anything else. Well, it's funny that you said as well that you um had a lot of trouble getting into it at the start and you didn't really know if it was helping at all. What a lot of people come to come to me and I'm, I'm not some guru or anything because I, I still struggle as well, but um, meditating's had a profound impact on my life. 
Um, and they always come up to me and they sort of say, this is just mates. Um, you know, how, how do you get into meditation and what do you do? Because I find that when I start doing it, I'm always just sitting around and I'm always just, it's not, it's not happening for me. How would you explain to someone um, that, that idea of persistence and, and what you should actually look for when you are meditating? Um, for me, the, mm. the thing that kept me going was, um, I'm a believer in social proof when it comes to anything. Like if it's working for a lot of people, like it can't, or if there's like so much research out there that proves that it's beneficial for you, there is so many really educated people. Um, I, I have, I'm very fortunate that I have the opportunity to meet some of the most successful people on the planet. Like anyone from like the CEO of Whole Foods or the CEO of Quest Nutrition or um, whoever it is. And all of them are meditating mm. or all of them have some type of mindfulness practice. So yeah. that's kind of what kept me going. It's like I can't be like the one person that it doesn't work for. Yep. And um, I understood from the things I've read that it's not like it's, – it's, it's not like exercising where you feel like this tangible – progress, like you feel like you're lifting more weight or you feel like your muscles are sore. Uh, it's so different. Like it's not, you're not going to feel that. Um, and then once I started to, I have a very stressful job. I have to like, I think that, uh, I mean like I have to make payroll every month. I have to pay almost 20 people. So mm. it's like very stressful. Um, the job is ever changing. There's, uh, this like, uh, pressure on me to make sure everyone's having a positive experience. And then once I started feeling like I wasn't on defense anymore, like mm. things weren't happening to me, things were happening for me. And, uh, I wasn't like always on the defense. Like I wasn't always waiting for things to just go wrong. And I could just kind of, I just kind of felt this like really subtle difference in my daily life. Yep. Then I was like, the only thing that could be is from my meditation practice and, I mean, worst case scenario, you sat there for 10 minutes yeah, and you got exactly. quiet time. Like, exactly. That's the worst case. That's right, 100%. I, all, find, yeah. I find when I sit down, um, because sometimes I, I have apps, I don't use um, Headspace, I use Budify and I also use a, a um, Brainwave app with Theta, 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 Theta um, yep. and Beta Brainwaves. Um, and sometimes it'll only be five minutes because I'm just in a rush and I've forgotten or whatever because I don't, can't get that every morning routine perfectly. I just haven't got it every day. But even sometimes when I sit down for five minutes and I feel like I've got a busy mind, I've got a busy mind, I'm not getting into it, damn, I wish I didn't have five minutes, damn, I wish I didn't have five minutes, oh, man, I'm not going to get anything mm. out of this. And then finally I get like one minute yeah. at the end of peace, then that even benefits it's you. It's a win. In a yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a, and like, like you say, it's such a small part of your day, even if you can get – because when I meditate, it's very rare that I'll sit down and I'll start meditating for if – even if it's 10 minutes, I sit down. And I'm not meditating and for nine minutes and 59 seconds, I'm clear of mind. Mm. Like it takes me a little while to get into it and then mm. some days are better than others. Yep. But as long as you get that little bit of, um, that little bit of clarity and that little break, then your brain can... I think it's just about resting your brain because I, I feel like... Um, I talked about this the other day. I feel like when I've got anxiety going on and too much going on in my head, I get dumber. And I heard yeah. someone else talk about oh, this as you well. You get cloudy. Because... because I literally, I, I take so long to process things and I, I, I'm not as smart. I'm nowhere mm. near as smart as I would normally be. Mm. And it's because I think my brain is tired. Mm. It's literally tired from the amount of work it's doing because it's oh, just yeah. working that hard thinking about useless thoughts. So I think even when I get that 
60 seconds on a, on a bad day, you know, a meditation, I've got too much going on. If I get 60 seconds of clarity, it actually helps. Yeah. You know, it all just adds up. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. I totally, totally agree with everything you're saying. And cool. I was thinking about it before as well. Um, you said, you mentioned before, when you exercise, you start to see tangible results. You start to see the results, but with anxiety, oh, sorry, with anxiety, but with meditation, it's kind of like the opposite. You start to see less and less of what you're trying to get rid of. Which is tough right. because you can't actually think about that actively. It's like, you know, you uh, uh, for me, I knew, I know that when I started to meditate more and more, there'd be less of those moments and more of those, oh, shit, I actually haven't thought about that in, a, in two minutes or, um, you know, half an hour or a month yeah. or a week. And it just would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, the biggest time for me where I knew that it was working is that I went shopping once and then I was walking up the driveway to put all my groceries into my fridge and one of the bags um, broke from the bottom and all the shit went all the way down the driveway. And my <laughs> first, my literally my first passive reaction was laughter. I started laughing at it. And then by the, by the time that I went down to, uh, to the bottom to, to pick it up, I was like, why am I not stressed and, and annoyed about this? Mm. And then from that, um, I was picking up all the apples and I ended up having a great conversation with a neighbor. So mm. it's funny how little, you know, if you just change your mindset, that was actually a very positive experience. And you wouldn't have had a you wouldn't have had a nice catch up and chat with your neighbour had you had you dropped the groceries and gone fuck yeah that's right oh, man fucking hell like you yeah, just yeah exactly percent because the, I wouldn't have been in that mind frame I would have been like oh, I just want to get rid of this guy and go back up yeah you know? yeah that's right and, yeah. and that people can see that people yeah. can see the mindset that you're in and the the I went and saw my business coach the other day after I'd had a really rough um, rough time over a period of a couple of weeks mm. and he said. I'm, I look, I feel heavy to be around, mm, you know? Mm. And then obviously I got out of that, that frame of mind, but you can, you can feel heavy or you can yeah. feel light and, yeah. and you can have a smile on your face and that'll actually extrapolate your happiness because yeah. everyone around you will be more happy and you'll exactly. have more smiles and more good um, positive interactions. And um, I wonder if meditation is yeah. the key to the world peace. Maybe, maybe it is. Where we didn't need a, we didn't need a, we didn't need to go that deep. But, Sorry, uh, <laughs> I got pretty deep there. That's, uh, that, that's quite, quite far down. Um, I think in Headspace, Andy, the guy that talks in it, he talks a lot about how this practice is is as much for other people as it is for you. Mm. Like it is just as much for the relationships you have mm. and for the everyone in your life and for you. Like it's not just to make you better; it's also for them. Interesting definitely, way to look at it. Definitely. Yeah, that's for, for sure. Mm. Um, so, Adi, let's get let's get back on uh, on track. We'll probably wrap up soonish. We'll get to six from six. Ask you some questions. But what's um what's the plan for you next? Is there any is there any um look to maybe is weightlifting done and dusted? Are you just trying to build with um build with working against gravity and, and take that to new new take that growing in new leaps? Or what's next for you in your uh, in your path? Uh, for me, from a business perspective, we have, um, at least the next like three years already mapped out. We have, by the end of this year, we are, um, moving the entire program onto, um, an app slash software, which is one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of. It is fantastic, uh, far beyond what I ever expected it to be. It just, um, simplifies and cleans up the, the whole program because it's now all through email and through Gmail. So it's just moving everything to a much simpler system. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I th- the members are going to like freak out about it. It's just awesome. And then um, from there, we're just constantly evolving. Uh, 
doing more, uh, more of our training programs are going to get cleaner. We're adding more education. We are going to, uh, launch some type of affiliate model so that the affiliates, uh, we have a waiting list of gyms that want to use the program as an affiliate. So we'll allow them to use the software and we'll train one of their, um, coaches to, uh, and support them through, uh, working mm-hmm. with their clients and things like that. Uh, we have a lot going on in terms wow. of work, working against gravity is, is growing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it is so exciting to me. I like, it's like a little puzzle. Like I love it. I think it's really fun and exciting to do. Uh, in terms of working out, I started taking hip hop classes. Ooh, um, nice. Hip hop classes. Yeah. Classic. It, uh, it makes me uncomfortable and I'm really awkward. So I figured that was probably a good thing to do. Nice. <laughs> That's and cool. um, Can you I like do, a little pop lock <laughs> elbow <laughs> robot. <laughs> I am so awkward. Like it's so crazy how bad I am at dancing. Like it's really bad. <laughs> well, I mean, always, like, uh, you, you've always been told to set your back and chest up, knees out, and then they're telling you to just feel the move. So it doesn't uh, work. I've always wanted to go to a, a dance school and and pay to learn the choreographed moves of the Napoleon Dynamite final scene dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just so like, oh my God. just so you could just unleash that. The yeah. one time that song comes yeah. on on a dance floor and you can just drop into Napoleon yeah. perfectly and then you just go home and you can never do it again. Yeah. But no, like, it'd, be, it'd be well worth it. Are you ready to get your groove on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you want to do today, Napoleon? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, that's great. So, so, um, so, Big things for working against uh, against gravity. So, sure. hey, Adi, I want to ask one final question from me, and that's um, what's been your greatest achievement so far with in helping people with working against gravity? Oh, that is like a huge question. The great, there is definitely no greatest one. The first thing that um, would come to mind is um, uh, the. F- I mean, the community is amazing. We've de- we're definitely changing people's lives. The greatest thing I think is I've challenged um, a number of people to uh, push outside their comfort zone and uh, conquer fear. And the staff that I have, um, I've provided for them an opportunity to live a lifestyle that I think most people um, would dream of. And that's working remote. They get to a number of them are working right now from a beach in Mexico, and um, they don't have parameters to, uh, they build their own schedule. They work with as many people as they want, as little people as they want. They have freedom to, um, work whenever they want, how long they want, um, and providing, um, almost 20 people now that kind of a lifestyle and leaving, um, the corporate nine to five job, Mm. uh, feels very, very good every day. I love that. Mm, Cool. Sounds awesome. Okay, so uh, we've got six questions to finish off. The uh, first three are from myself. Uh, my first question is, what's your favorite travel destination you have been to on the planet? Can be anywhere, big, small, um, country, continent, town. Uh, Utah in Utah. America. I love cool. Utah. Cool. Why, why so? It is so grand and beautiful with all the red rocks. There's a wonderful community there. It's, it's got lots of mountains and you can, um, float down the river. You can go rock climbing. You can go into the slot canyons. Um, it has desert, it has Mount like snow. It has everything. It's just, and it's just very, very, very beautiful. Awesome. Sounds good. So next uh, question, similar, but, uh, what's your dream destination place that you haven't been? 
my dream destination place that I haven't been would probably be Greece. Oh, yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Time. I don't know why I got so excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So, whereabouts? Greek islands? Oh, you want to see the Pantheon and uh, Acropolis and. I think all the Greek islands for sure. Um, probably, I think I'm like a little too old to do like the whole Eos and like party scene, but uh, <laughs> you know, I would love to see all of it. What do you mean? I'm pretty sure 21 year olds still go there. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, t- <laughs> I actually named a bar. I, I have a drink um, that I named at a bar at called the Fun Pub in Eos. Fun Pub. So if you ever do make it to Eos, go up to uh, go to the Fun Pub and ask for. The Peninsula Swill, which is a drink that I named that is now on the cocktail menu, and uh, you can thank me later. Really? Yeah, is yeah. that like when you go and, you know, try to get some, uh, some drugs? You always ask for the Spanish bloke and the smokers? Uh, what? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true story. It's a Madurian milk. But really? anyway. So why um, is it called the Fun Pub? Uh, What's that great for? Adi, <laughs> <laughs> um, final question. Sorry, uh, we're losing our marbles over here in, um, in Melbourne, but... Um, final question is, um, do you have any books that you recommend to people? It can be a fun read that you might read before bed, or it can be a business book or philosophy book, anything in particular? Uh, I, I usually recommend the same book, um, but I'm going to do something different this time. I would say everyone should read a book called The Perfect Day Formula by a guy named Craig Ballantyne. Cool. It is like just over a hundred pages and it, um, gives you a solid framework for how to create a routine, how to uh, create certain rules for yourself and uh, uh, become more disciplined, which will in turn give you more freedom. And it's like very simple, very easy to read and it's common sense, but the way that he says it makes you be like, oh, like I should definitely do that. It's like a game changer. All right. And what was the one that you normally would recommend? It's called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Daring greatly. I got recommended that uh, the other day. That's on my Audible um, wish list because a friend of mine uh, might have been a listener. I'm not a. Yeah, it was a listener. It was an adventure uh, radio listener. Yeah, yep. they recommended that book as well. So um, cool. Definitely want to check out. Tommy, what do you got? Uh, so, Adi, what do you like to do in your downtime or spare time? In my spare time, I like to draw. Mm. I like to watch. It depends if Michael's around or not. If he's not around, I will watch like the trashiest of trashy (laughs) TV, like TV that he would never watch with me, like (laughs) Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something like that. Oh, dang. Come on. Kill me. I mean, inside job, there Kim, some- Kim's, Kim's, Kim's robbery, inside job, eh? <laughs> yeah. You can get some good insight from them, you know? Like sometimes there's a gem that comes in there and it just turns your mind off for a while. I, I love trash TV once in a while. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's it. And mo- I like going to the movies. Oh, yeah. Like have, you seen, um, have you seen, uh, do you like, do you like sort of like thriller horror movies? I like everything okay all sorts of movies. you've got to see don't breathe i recently went and saw don't breathe and um it's really good really really good that's all i'll say <laughs> and that's in theaters right now i'm pretty is sure it, it in is theaters in america too or just australia well it's uh 
I'm assuming it would be in... Yeah, it would be. It would we, be normally have, it? we normally have the same movies for the same stretch of time. Yeah, Rough, yeah. Roughly. Roughly much as, as America, yeah. Yeah, but it's not, it's not just, just a got, classic, um, We just like... got The Godfather um, yeah. just came out. It's a really... It's a huge hit. I think it's, yeah. it's playing... And Lassie just... Come Home just came out as well. Um, that's a that's a, a new one. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. I just looked it up and it has a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb rating and that's really, really good. Don't like, a very good rating. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That it's it's really really good, and it's um, it's pretty scary. I'm not gonna lie. Um, second one. Uh, now I've completely lost my train of thought here. Don't breathe. What am I thinking about? Oh yes. Uh, did you have a role model growing up, or or someone who inspired you? Um, I there's like no one person in particular mm. that like. I mean, my my parents, my mother, and my father are like incredible individuals who. Uh, they immigrated to Canada from Israel and they would like treat themselves once a week to like rotisserie chicken at like a $20 meal. And that was the only time they would see each other because they worked like opposing schedules for a really long time. And now they travel all over the world. They just came back from, um, the sand dunes in Morocco and they're going to, um, forget where it's, uh, like some crazy like tropical place. They're going to Australia and New Zealand in March. Yeah. Nice. And, Bo- and Bora Bora. Oh, That's where beautiful. They're going. Beautiful. Yeah. And they just like, they're just the coolest people ever. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people say that their parents as well, I think is, um, I mean, you're around them so much, obviously, you know, look up to them both physically and um, in the context that I'm asking as well. Um, finally, my question is, if you could invite three people dead or alive to dinner, who would they be and why? Um, I would invite Steve Jobs. Nice one. I would invite Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. And um, for comedic relief, um, I would invite maybe like Jimmy Kimmel. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, very nice. Cool. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres maybe. would be good. My, my biggest goal in life is to get onto the Ellen DeGeneres show. Really? Yeah, I'd love to get really? on that show. It'd be so cool. <laughs> That's you a are goal. a strange, awesome. strange <laughs> individual, Tommy. Well, what's your biggest goal in life? What's your biggest goal? Uh, my biggest goal in life, shit, I haven't chosen one, but it wouldn't be getting on Alan DeGeneres' <laughs> show. I'll give you the tip. Nothing against Alan. I like her too. I think she's cool, but... Second biggest goal. My, uh, well, if I don't have a biggest goal, you think I've got a second biggest goal? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, that's great, right. Eddie. Well, uh, how can people find you then? Um, anything you want to plug? Social medias? All that sort of stuff. Um, if you want, uh, more of, uh, tips and tricks and lifestyle habits and behavior changes for nutrition, sign up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com. Uh, you can find me at a D Caju on all of the social media. So that would be A D E E C A Z A Y O U X. And, uh, we are at working against gravity on all of the social medias as well. That's awesome. pretty much it. Loved it. Alrighty. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. You guys are hilarious. That was like one of the more fun podcasts I've ever been on. Oh, no, 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 awesome. no, no, no. It's, 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 it's the, the, the best, best and the most fun podcast, podcast that you've ever. been on. I think you, you minced, minced <laughs> you the words a little bit there, but uh, it could we been understand the, um, what you were saying. We know what you mean. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, there's a language barrier, but uh, yeah. you know, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best and most attractive guys in the world. Oh, now I understand exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, all right, Eddie. Thanks so much. 
Thank you. Okay, that's the wrap. Alrighty, that was the show. Bill, how'd you like it? Yeah, it was good. I had a great chat with uh, with the D there. I so liked the, the um, I liked uh, what? <laughs> are we we doing a D here, aren't we? Yeah. Or are we doing some other one? Someone else? Have I oh, you said with a D. Yeah. I thought you said with the D. Oh, the D. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down. I just had a had a great session in the back room with the D. It's my little nickname for my uh, uh, my hamal hamal hamaka. My hamana manua. Uh, with um, my mats. Um, I um, yeah. I re- refer to it in the third person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And just uh, yeah, I call it the big D. I thought it was called Stephen. Uh, that's uh, that's my mate's dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my mate Paul's dick. He oh, named Stephen. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How is Paul? Good. How good. is Stephen? Uh, not so good. Yeah, I've heard. he's had a rough few weeks. He's had a rough few days. Up the uh, up the the, the, the mutz the mutz the mutz the mutz alanakax the malakun. <laughs> That's just going out of hand. Um, We are. um, If you liked that show, guys, (laughs) subscribe on iTunes, please, Mm. and um, that'll help us get um, money and fame and stardom, and um, hopefully, uh, bitches, bitches, uh, bitches, and a a bank account will come a rolling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, with the homies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we want a big crib with mm-hmm. um, lots of players. Yep. Um, so if you could players, players, I want um, guns and hoes. Yeah, bitches, bitches, and the crystal. Yes, uh, yes, that's what yes. we want at Adventure Bit Radio. Yep. So if you could support us in getting our bitches and crystal mm, by that wagon to roll up into the crib with the Lambo, essentially <laughs> is what I'm kind of referring to. Yeah, yeah. So in order to help us, um, help us in our journey, mm. then uh, subscribe. Please subscribe. Do. If you needed anything from the show as resources-wise, which I'm sure you would because there was heaps of knowledge bombs in there from a D, mm. then um, make sure you go to www.adventuretravel.com forward slash podcast. All the show notes will be in there. Uh, and then also don't forget to check out our sponsors, True Pride. Head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF. Book a call. See what they're all about. If you want to save some money, make some investments and... Uh, You'll get a $297 joining fee waived. Yep. Also, Carve. Check out www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF for all your uh, virtual assistant needs. Upscale your business. 10 hours. Get your life back. Free 10 hours there. And check out Adventure with Travel, www.adventurewithtravel.com. All the good stuff that we got going on there. Check out Mexico with Carl Paoli. Rather, Jared Fleming. Check out Bali with Carl Paoli. Check out all the good shit we got going on. You want a holiday? Come to us. You will not regret it. Sounds good to me. See you next week.